Amen. Amen. Where shall we start? I tell you what, uh, someone's already commented, it feels like the old new life this morning with Rachel <laughs> hosting and me speaking. Back to the old days. <laughs> Talking about back to the old days, the first thing I want to tell you is a confession of my age. I was a war baby. Oh, yeah. I was a war baby born a third of the way through the Second World War. Yeah, and you say, oh. But the thing I want to bring out this morning is that I had, didn't have the faintest idea of what was going on. There was a conflict all around the globe. It was the World War. Wars going on everywhere. Terrible things happening. But I was a baby. Yeah? And um, even all through my toddler years, I didn't really understand the bigger picture. Okay? Uh, in my earliest memory does allude to the war because my earliest memory as probably a toddler was being rudely awakened in the middle of the night, hurriedly wrapped in an eiderdown, hurried down the garden where all the family huddled in the Anderson bomb shelter at the bottom of the garden until the raid was over. I remember the screeching wail of the air raid sirens. I remember the thump, thump, thump of German bombs landing on my city. I do remember that, but I didn't really know what was happening. I was a baby, I was a toddler, I was a child. And it was some time before I grew up and began to realize the a uh, huge thing that was going on r really outside of my world, if you know what I mean. I mean, for example, in, uh, later on in, in the war, I was presented with a children's gas mask that had big ears. It was a Mickey Mouse gas mask. <laughs> and I didn't know what it was for. I just thought it was a sophisticated toy. <laughs> All toys I had were just bits of wood usually, but this was, wow, you know. I didn't realize how important it was and what it was connected with in the world. I didn't know the Great War was going on. I was a baby. But what I want to bring out this morning is the fact that a lot of people, a lot younger than me, in fact, everybody that has been born into the human race for the past 2,000 years has been born into a war zone. And not everybody realizes the import of what that means. You are living in a war zone. It's a war zone. Because you see, there is a colossal conflict going on between the forces of light and darkness, but you're not aware of it because most of the battle, a lot of the battle goes on in the invisible realm, or as Paul calls it in Ephesians, the heavenlies. There's a war going on, a mortal combat war. 
yeah? Enormous forces pitted against each other. It's a war zone, only you don't always see it, much of it breaking the surface. You, you do if you know what to look for, but you don't always, you're not always aware of, uh, of the effect of it on the world, on society, on the material realm. So I want to talk to you a bit this morning about that and the title, as it were, of what I want to talk about. That's a bit more light. I can see what I'm doing now. The title of what I want to talk about this morning is The Power Kingdom. Because there are two kingdoms in conflict. The kingdom of light, which is the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of darkness, and the powers of darkness, pitted in age-long conflict all around us, because of course the invisible realm is all around us. You are in a war zone. You you don't have to go to to find it, it's everywhere. In fact, the war zone, which is in the heaven, is actually spills over into men's minds too. The war zone is also between our ears, all of us, whether we're saved or not. It's still a war zone. You can't get away from this war zone, that's what I'm trying to say this morning. But I want to focus on the victory (laughs) of the power kingdom. So my title is The Power Kingdom. Let me read a a sentence which sort of puts into context uh, this conflict. The Father, God the Father's key purpose in sending Jesus to planet Earth to become human was always to set up the kingdom of heaven on Earth. Yeah? Where darkness had taken over when man sinned. So he's bringing the light back. He's bringing heaven back, the atmosphere of heaven to earth. And God has made all the arrangements necessary for you to take your place as part of the victorious army in that conflict. You're in a war zone. But God wants you to be equipped and prepared to be a combatant in the war zone, to take part in the fight. And so we'll start with the king of this kingdom of heaven. Let's let's talk about Jesus for a bit, okay? The king of this world-invading, world-enveloping kingdom of heaven that is still spreading around the globe is prefigured in prophecy. Okay, we'll go to the book of Isaiah. Okay, Uh, you see, Jesus was born to be king of the kingdom of heaven on earth. That's the purpose, okay. So let me read Isaiah, where it introduces the baby born to be king. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He has many titles. There's a few of them, yeah? And then verse 7, of the growth of his government and peace, there will be no end. Ever-expanding 
kingdom. He will rule over his kingdom, sitting on the throne of David. And so David's reign was a model of what the kingdom of heaven reign is going to be like, okay? Sitting upon the throne of David to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. So that's the purpose, okay? But what's the power that drives this purpose? The last bit of the verse, it says, the zeal of the Lord of the heavenly armies. This is a military thing. The zeal of the Lord of the heavenly armies will accomplish this. Yeah? Yeah? There's power behind this kingdom. Expansion, amen? Amen. So, what we see straight away as we look at the king is that this is not a little Jewish kingdom in a small corner of the Mediterranean on earth. This is a planet-wide takeover. Yeah, this is a, a kingdom of unlimited growth. Let me read some words here. This kingdom is unstoppable, unconquerable, indestructible, undefeatable, darkness defeating, all other kingdoms smashing. Say smashing. I'll show you where that is in scripture. All other kingdoms smashing, eternally secure, It's a planet-wide dominion. It's the kingdom of heaven coming to planet Earth. That's what Jesus came for. That's what he came for. The kingdom of heaven colonizing Earth, or recolonizing, because darkness wasn't there in the first place. It was always God's. So heaven is inexorably annexing planet earth again to come under the rule of almighty God that's what's happening now this kingdom a a king dreamt about it it was the climax of King Nebuchadnezzar's dream in the book of Daniel another prophet in the Old Testament okay and this kingdom was prefigured not only with Isaiah 700 years before Jesus was born, but also in Daniel four or 500 years before Jesus was born. And so listen to uh, this, uh, this, the dream by the way, I'll say it very quickly, is that Nebuchadnezzar saw an enormous statue or figure, and the head and shoulders were gold, and then it changed to silver, then lower down it was bronze, and then lower down it was iron, and then down to the feet was iron and clay, okay? And so this is what the king saw. But the important bit of what he saw was that a stone, not cut by human effort, not made with human hands, from a mountain, smashed into that statue and demolished it. Yeah? And those different metals and materials all the way down the idol, Daniel says, represent different kingdoms, Nebuchadnezzar, that's going to come after your empire. There'll be your empire. And then that's, you're the gold. Then there'll be a silver empire. Then there'll be a bronze empire. Down through the ages, the empires will change until there's one of iron and clay down at the feet. which we know by working through those empires was actually the Roman Empire, which is where Jesus came to, all right? So when the Roman Empire was at its height, Jesus 
came to establish a kingdom which is like a stone not cut by human hands. This is a supernatural yeah. heavenly kingdom which will smash all the other kingdoms. Yeah. Get rid of their legacy even. Yeah. Smash and replace. Okay, yeah. let, let me read it, okay? A bit of it, because I try to give you the story so we don't have a long reading, okay? Right, John, Daniel 2.44. At the time of those kings, that's the last empire, right? At the time of those kings, the God of heaven will establish a kingdom that will never be destroyed. No other people will be permitted to rule it. It will smash, it's in the Bible, it will smash all the other kingdoms and put an end to them. But it will be established forever. This is the stone that you saw cut out from a mountain, but not by human hands. It smashed the iron and the bronze and the clay and the silver and the gold. The great God has told you, he's talking to Nebuchadnezzar, the great God has told you what will happen in the future, your majesty. The dream is true, and you can trust that this is its meaning. Yeah, this is, this is what prophets do, by the way. They recount history before it happens. <laughs> okay? And so, this is Daniel telling King Nebuchadnezzar about this wonderful, heavenly, supernatural kingdom that's going to smash and push out of the way all other kingdoms and dominions and powers and take over and be established forever. The kingdom of heaven on earth is God's purpose that it will be established forever. And so, uh, Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar, but Daniel went, that's only Daniel chapter two. Uh, later on, Daniel's having another vision and he sees the king of this kingdom, okay? Uh, beginning to rule his kingdom. And so in Daniel chapter 7, Daniel sees someone he calls the Son of Man, and that's a, a frequently used title Jesus used for himself. Yeah. One called the Son of Man, uh, the resurrected Jesus, being given the throne of the kingdom. Okay? That's Daniel chapter 7 and verse 13. And Daniel's, this is Daniel's vision now, not Nebuchadnezzar, this is the one that he's getting. He says, as I continued to watch the vision that night, I saw what looked like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. And he was presented to the eternal God. And he was crowned king and given power. Say power. Power. And glory. Say glory. Glory. Yeah. So that all people, say all people, all and all nations, all yeah, and every race, race, race. you got it, race, <laughs> people, nations, race, everybody, okay, they will serve him, I like this last bit, and he will rule forever, Amen. and his kingdom is eternal, Amen. never to be destroyed. We're on a winner here, folks. 
This kingdom is eternal. And God's invited you to be part of establishing it on planet Earth. Amen? Amen. Amen. So this is a kingdom. Now, what I want to try and emphasize with this power kingdom, that it's not a, oh, what shall I say? Wishy-washy. Yeah. <laughs> no power, you know what I mean? It's, it's, not, it's, it's not an Oxford accent, the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> it's the kingdom! Amen. Yeah? This is power yeah. being released to change the darkness of planet Earth. Yeah. It's the kingdom of light, yeah. and it is advancing, and is, yeah. it is invading. Yeah. This is the power kingdom. Yeah. And you are invited to be part of its army. And so it is a kingdom. Now, let's move forward to the New Testament, okay? He will rule forever and his kingdom is eternal. In the New Testament, it's where the kingdom begins. All right, because Jesus came to establish the kingdom. That's what he was born for, all right? So, the kingdom was first introduced around Jesus' time by John the Baptist, okay? He was the forerunner of Jesus. He introduced the king who's going to come and establish the kingdom, all right? So, John the Baptist, in, his, in the theme of his preaching, and he preached about a lot of things, but his main theme is given in the Bible. So let me read it. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 1. This is John the Baptist. And it says, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was introducing the kingdom. You need to change because big things are going to be going down shortly, yeah? In other words, it's time for change. The invasion is about to begin. So that's John the Baptist. Now, he, very quickly, he was John the Baptist, and what's so strange about that? Because, of course, for years, ages, the Jews had been baptizing people in water, plunking them under water, yeah? Baptism. Wasn't unusual. What was unusual is who John was baptizing. Because you see, the way the Jews used baptism is when a Gentile, a non-Jew, wanted to come into the Jewish covenant, wanted to come into the Jewish faith, they would baptize them in water as part of their entering in to the covenant, okay? But John was baptizing Jews. They're already in the Jewish covenant, all right? What did that mean? It meant there's something new happening. And you need to change to be part of this. (laughs) Okay, so he baptized Jews with water, which was not something that had happened before. And so, let's get the words of Jesus on this. All right, because John preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is starting. And then when John finished preaching, because he was put in jail, Jesus took over, and what did he say? 
repent for the kingdom of heaven has started. Same message. Same message, yeah. And so we'll read what Jesus said. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Yeah, or as the message puts it, the message version. Time's up, God's kingdom's here. Change your life and believe the message. Yeah? yeah? And so the, the preaching of John preaching of Jesus was all introducing the kingdom and in order to welcome the kingdom you have to change <laughs> give up on your old way of thinking you're coming into a new situation completely this is the kingdom of heaven and in fact as Christians I think I've told you before we should live a life of repenting because yeah. all the time we're fighting the war between light and darkness in here. And when we identify a bit of darkness, we want to chuck it out and say, sorry, Lord, I'm going to put light there. <laughs> yeah? We live a life of repenting as Christians. So the message of Jesus and the message of preachers ever since is repent and believe the message and become more part of the kingdom. All right, so... From that moment, the uns this is John and G Jesus preaching their messages. From that moment, the unstoppable kingdom of heaven on earth has been bulldozing opposing forces of darkness and taking over planet earth. It's been happening for 2,000 years. That's why I say you've been in a war zone that's been there for 2,000 years. It's still on. Mm -hmm. The war is still happening. Okay. So, let's listen to Jesus describing how his kingdom functions in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12. This is the Passion Translation, and it's Jesus talking about John, so we're still in that area, okay? And Jesus says, from the moment John stepped onto the scene until now, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth. Say bursting. Yes. This is not a quiet little thing, okay? Bursting forth. And passionate people have taken hold of its power. Say power. power. It's a power kingdom, yeah? Let me read those words translated by four of the translators in our New Testament, okay? These are still that same bursting forward, bursting forth phrase. The New Century Version says that Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven has been going forward in strength. Yeah? yeah? God's Word Version says, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. The Easy Read Version says, God's kingdom is going forward strongly. And I like this last one. It's the Bible in basic English. It says, the kingdom of heaven is forcing its way in. Yeah. Okay? This is a battle. Yeah. This is a war zone. Kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness. Kingdom of light is stronger than the kingdom of darkness. Yeah. 
but the kingdom of darkness is still fighting back. Yeah. yeah. So there's a war on. There's a war on between massive kingdoms, and we are celebrating the kingdom. Not the kingdom, the kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> okay? A kingdom of power. And so it's, it's darkness versus light. It's lies versus truth. It's the forces of darkness that oppose the light being destroyed in a war. Yeah? This is not flower power, this is firepower. Yeah. All right? This is not negotiating. This is annihilating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a mortal combat war. Yeah? It's not tiptoeing through the tulips. It's bulldozing barricades. Yeah. Power kingdom. Yeah. Power kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is a power kingdom. And so the kingdom invasion of earth is the basis of this age-long conflict in the invisible realm. And the reason I tell us that we are all, all of us, war babies, <laughs> born again in a war zone. Yeah. And so it's a war of attrition where the loser is not giving up, but fighting back as a terrorist. You see, let's put that into context. Satan was defeated and lost his trump card when Jesus rose from the dead yeah. and conquered death and the grave. Yeah. So Satan has actually lost the war, but he's still battling on. Yeah. Okay? And so he lost his trump card, but he and his hosts of fallen angels continue to try to hold on to stolen ground in the minds and hearts of men and women. Yeah, to do as much damage to God's purposes as he can, out of spite, really. Okay, because he knows he's judged. He knows he's going to burn in hell forever. So he just wants to get on to uh, people who are made in the image of God and take his spite out on them. Yeah. yeah, so that's what he's doing, and that's part of the war that's going on. But they, they fight like terrorists with fear, and trickery and deception, despite having lost the war. We know terrorists that are like that, don't we? Well, that's, they're just taking their model from the forces of darkness, yeah? They seek to control and influence men by deception, by lies, by confusion, while the advancing unstoppable kingdom of God smashes and demolishes and destroys them with lightsaber weapons of truth and peace and love and joy and healing and deliverance. Okay, these are the hallmarks of the kingdom of heaven. The hallmarks of the kingdom of darkness is lies, pulling the wool over your eyes, keeping you in the dark. Yeah, that's the difference between the two kingdoms. And so the kingdom of heaven is truth and reality and harmony and peace and righteousness, while the dark fog of lies and deception and misinformation and deceit and distraction and diversion are the weapons of darkness. They try to hide the reality of God. They want to keep the wool over your eyes. They want you to be confused, yeah? That's their weapon. You see, they can't stand up and face you because you have the authority of God all over you, even though you've sinned. So he can't come and punch you in the eye. So he has to try and whisper lies and make you damage yourself, okay? 
he makes you damage yourself. Yeah? The soul that sins, it will surely die. He knows that. So he wants to make you sin, so you'll die. <laughs> he wants you to damage yourself because he can't stand in front of you and do any damage to a child of God. So, Jesus, it says in the Bible, was manifested to destroy the works of the enemy. That's scripture. And the thing is that God is also saving men and women and people in every generation to join Jesus and become darkness-defeating light-bringers. Yeah. Yeah? yeah? People, part of the conflict, being part of the army of light. Light-bringers, okay? And so, here's an important phrase, right? The kingdom is his purpose, and the church is his method. Yeah, yeah. that's good. All right? The kingdom is what it's all about, and the church is how he's going to do it. Yeah, that's why Jesus turned to his disciples and he said, and he who is the light of the world said to the disciples, you are the light of the world. Yeah. You're part of the army of light. Yeah. You are the light of the world. And so Jesus turned to the disciples and recruited them into the armed forces of the kingdom. You are the light of the world. Now, Isaiah has a picture of this, Isaiah chapter 60, of how this uh, light church operates in a dark world, defeating the darkness. It's Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 1. And Isaiah says, Arise, shine. He's talking to the church. For your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen on you. Okay, we know God's glorious, but it's risen on you, right? For behold, verse 2, darkness covers the earth, and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations will come to your light, kings to the brilliance of your rising. Okay, that's what Isaiah prophesies is the role of the church. To shine. To shine. To be so full of God, it shines out. You're supposed to shine. You're supposed to shine. That's what the church is called to do. So picture this, this scripture. You've got this darkness-covered earth... A race of human beings in deep darkness because their minds are clouded by the kingdom of darkness and all their lies and deception and pulling the wool over your eyes so you can't see the truth. Yeah. Deep darkness. And to be honest, that's how planet Earth looks from the ramparts of heaven. Look down on Earth, dark. Why? Because the kingdom of darkness took over when man sinned. Yeah. He usurped the kingdom wasn't really theirs, they just stepped in because man lost it, <laughs> okay? Stepped into authority when man laid it aside and lost their links with God. So, that's how the earth appears from heaven. That's why Jesus is recruiting, by saving them, light bringers yes. to push back the darkness. 
Yeah. Now, earth is dark because when man, who were the custodians of earth and an authority over earth, that's why man was made, Adam and Eve and so on, okay? When mankind, the custodians of earth, sinned and fell, the curse that followed didn't just affect them, it affected the earth that was under their authority, okay? Earth is dark because thorns and thistles, it says, actually, in, in, in Genesis chapter 3. Expressions of the curse affected the environment, okay? Thorns and thistles. And so when you read through and, and find the scriptures, you'll find that pretty much everything to do with creation went off kilter and off balance when man sinned because the earth was under man's authority. They walked away, and so everything, you know, started to shake a bit, shake a bit. Now, Paul, the apostle, touches on these global negatives in the book of Romans. When man ruined themselves, the earth, their responsibility was affected and won't recover until kingdom come. Got it? The earth will be very glad when the kingdom of heaven has finished taking over. Anyway, let, let me read it from Romans. Romans chapter 8 and verse 20 from the Passion Translation. Paul says, for against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from human sin. But now, with eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay. The earth can't wait for you and I to step into the fullness. Not just of salvation, but of the, the glory and power of God of being kingdom light bringers, bringing the kingdom of light to planet Earth. Not just for mankind's sake, for Earth's sake as well. Okay, let, let me finish this off. Verse 22, Paul says, To this day, we're aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation as if it were in childbirth. <laughs> They want to birth a light kingdom. They've had enough of darkness. Okay, that's creation, okay, that was affected by man's sin. And so the earth was affected by man's sin. And because the earth is dark, we're all born in sin, born in darkness, shaped in iniquity, the Bible says. So the whole human race, since Adam and Eve, apart from Jesus, are born in sin and shaped in iniquity, born rudderless in a storm, yeah? Born without a sat-nav in a featureless, dark, and dust-storm desert. Born in a, uh, a thick wood of darkness with no compass or light of the sun and stars. Born in the dark. Yeah? Satan is, wants to keep you fogged up yeah. and in the dark. Doesn't want you to appreciate the truth of the kingdom of heaven and the king of heaven himself. Yeah? Wants you not to realize truth. And so, the battleground then is not just in the heavenlies and the invisible realm, it's actually between man's ears. Yeah? all men's ears. The battle goes on here between truth and lies, light and darkness. 
You're not only in a war zone, there's a war zone in you. Okay? There's a fight going on. Right. A couple of sentences that put it into a nutshell. Thank God, although man's sin let in darkness, man's redemption is releasing light. Okay? And we're all born into a blind race, but we can be born again into an army of light bringers. Yeah? Kingdom of heaven. Powerful kingdom. Yeah? A delivering kingdom, a healing kingdom. A setting things right kingdom. It's light. It's truth. It's wonderful. Yeah? And so... Actually, you know that we started on Isaiah chapter uh, 9, verse 6, unto us, a child is born unto us, a son is given. We started with the king. Well, actually, just about four verses before that, in Isaiah chapter 9, um, we have a scripture that actually describes the situation the king is going to come in and change because it says, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. For those living in a land of deep darkness, a light has shined on them. Then he goes on to say, unto us a son is born unto us, and the government will be upon his shoulder. So he was introducing the king of the kingdom of light in Isaiah and chapter 9. Do you realize how very important it is for Jesus that you are the light of the world. You are his light bringers, his kingdom spreaders, as the kingdom of heaven forcefully advances and takes back over planet Earth from Satan and his usurping hordes that have taken over when man fell, yeah? You are the light of the world. Where's the light? I believe the light that you carry is your spirit full of the life of God. Yeah. Your spirit. Yeah? Now, I want to talk to you a little bit. Wow, time's gone. Very quickly. I used to think, because I had the Old Testament picture of Moses' tabernacle, you know, that tent they put up as a place of worship and fellowship in the midst of the nation as they walk through the wilderness, that that is a sort of model of a human being. Yeah? It's a a structure created for worship and fellowship. That's what we are. Yeah? And right at the heart of that structure, in the holiest place of all, between the golden angels, there was a, an unearthly, because there was no serpent, super, sorry, no earthly source to this supernatural light, there was a glow. Couldn't have been huge because the, the angels were only about that far apart, you know? So there was this uh, football size or whatever size ball of light that filled the holy place which had, holiest of all, holy of holies, which had no other source of light 
but a supernatural sword. It was as if God had poked his finger through the membrane that separates the invisible realm of the throne room of God and the material realm, and some light was showing through. And I used to think, well, if, if the tabernacle is me, then my spirit must be just a tiny pinpoint of light, either in there or in there, just hidden in the Holy of Holies, yeah? But one day I stepped back and I looked up and I thought, no, that point of light that we call the Shekinah was not the only manifest presence of God among his people because standing over the tabernacle, immense and tall and huge was a glowing, brilliant, supernatural pillar of cloud and fire. Yeah? The pillar of cloud that overshadowed the whole nation, kept them safe, uh, shielded them from the sun by day, gave them light in their tents by night. You see, the Shekinah was not just that small, the Shekinah was huge. And I believe that contrary to what I used to think, your spirit is immense. Yeah? Why do I think your spirit is immense? Because it's God-breathed and God's got big lungs. Yeah. <laughs> your spirit is immense. It's, it's where you're made in the image of God and he is endless and immense. He's a spirit. Yeah. And all enveloping everywhere spirit in the heavenly realms and the earthly realms. But you are also a possessor of a spirit. Think of you as um, being the cockpit or basket of a hot air balloon, <laughs> yeah? And that's your spirit, enormous compared with your earthly body, yeah? And as the fire of God burns and fills your spirit with the life of God, you get lift, <laughs> yeah? He lifts you above your circumstances. Yeah, the fullness of the Holy Spirit lifts you into heaven. You're able to see things from heaven's perspective Amen. when your spirit is full of God. And when your spirit of, is full of God, that's when you shine. Yeah. That's when you shine. I think I'll leave the rest. Listen to this. Okay. Some people are daunted by the visible manifestations of the kingdom of God on earth, which are healing the sick, blind see, lame walk, leopards are cured, no, sorry, lepers <laughs> are cured, uh, dead are raised, okay? Those are the visible signs of the advancing kingdom in, on planet earth. But that's a challenge because you're supposed to be part of the army. And maybe you're daunted by the thought, of, I don't know that I've got enough faith to, to raise the dead yet. <laughs> yeah? Daunted by the supernatural side of things in the visible victories of the kingdom on earth. And there's lots of them going on, and there's more, there are more and more people being raised from the dead today across the world than there have ever been. <laughs> yeah, so the kingdom is advancing, okay? But individually, we might be daunted by the supernatural, 
the really big, high-profile supernatural stuff. A bit scared, you know, I, I don't think I can do that. I haven't got enough faith for that. On the other hand, if you're not daunted, you might be dazzled and spend your life trying to see the supernatural in your ministry. Yeah? So there are those that are daunted by it. There are those that are dazzled by it. But your job is not to be scared of it yeah. and not to seek it yeah. for its own sake. Yeah. Do you know what your job is? Your job is to shine. Yeah. Your job is just to shine. If God wants to use that to raise the dead, fine, but your job is to shine. And how do you shine? You practice the presence of God. Yeah. When you say or do something that expresses your faith that God is there. I mean, praying is an act of faith. Yeah. You're talking to a God you can't see and you usually don't hear. But you're talking to him because you believe he's there. Yeah. And you believe he's going to answer and things are going to happen. So prayer is an act of faith. In fact, all the stuff we do as Christians, it's an act of faith. Praying, praising, worshipping. Yeah. yeah, Coming to church is an act of faith. Reading your Bible is an act of faith. Because it says, I believe that God is real yeah. and I'm going to get something out of this because God's in it. Yeah. And every time you practice the smallest act of faith, you bring the power of God's presence into that situation. Yeah? yeah? yeah. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. Yeah. Okay? In other words, the act of faith was just being together because the Bible tells you to. When you do any act of faith, yeah, pay your tithes, any act of faith, that releases the presence of God into your life and circumstances. Faith releases the presence of God. And releasing the presence of God is shining. We're supposed to be releasing the presence of God yeah. by living by faith, yeah? yeah? So let's just shine. Yeah. Let's just shine. Let's just shine. Time's gone, yeah? As a friend of ours on the rock of Gibraltar who greatly used of God when we planted a church in mainland Spain. But um, I just want to tell you his nickname. We used to call him Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah? Why did we call him Hallelujah? Because that's what he kept saying. Yeah? You'd meet him in the street, he said, Hi, Hallelujah. Wonderful day, hallelujah. I went fishing in the straits yesterday, hallelujah. Didn't catch anything, hallelujah. <laughs> you see, it, was, it just it dispersed his conversation. But you know, hallelujah is an expression of faith. Yeah. I believe that brought God into his life as much as anything else he did. Yeah. And he's a terrific street witness. And he planted the church and led it for some years over in Spain. And so, yeah, I, I just want to say that whenever you express your faith in God, you release the presence of God. Yeah? yeah? 
Hallelujah. Shall we all say it? Do you know, I believe that 300 stun grenades were just tossed into the ranks of any unfortunate demons that may have been Yeah? Light combats darkness. Faith releases the... Pre- you see, the power of this power kingdom is the presence of Almighty God himself. That's the power. And when you act in faith and speak in faith, you release the power. Because you're releasing the presence. And that means darkness is being demolished by the presence of God. Let me read something. I've got to read this. Let me read something. Let me read something. Where is it? Yeah. Psalm 68, which is the cry of Moses. Whenever the pillar of cloud moves on and the people at the break camp and follow it in the wilderness, Moses had a cry he used to shout. And then 400 years later, after Moses used it to, to summon up the, the people to move on with God, uh, David, the psalmist, put it to music. It became a song, okay? And here are the words of the song in what we call Psalm 68. And it's headed in this version, to the overcomer, <laughs> like that. A psalm or song of David. And it says, let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Let those that hate him flee before him. This is the kingdom. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so shall the wicked perish at The presence of God. See the key? It's the presence of God that demolishes and drives darkness away. And every act of faith of yours releases the presence of God into the situation. Wow, this is light bringing, okay? And um, what happened? Oh, no, I I, I won't do that one. (laughs) It's just another bit of the demolishing (laughs) action of the kingdom and people going through in the service of God through the wilderness. Light bringers, presence bringers, yeah? Now, in memory of, uh, not memory, he's he's still there, but in, uh, because of our friend in Gibraltar who was nicknamed Hallelujah, because that's a very simple way. Tell them his name. Oh, his name is Carlos Ferruya. And we used to call him Hallelujah Faruya. <laughs> and he's a brilliant guy, terrific Christian. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So, what I want us to do is uh, I want us to sing, expressing our faith, light bringing us to this situation this morning. And I want us to sing. I'll raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies.